Welcome back to episode 42 with Glenn Curry. Glenn is a Methan local just down the road from me, and as many of you would know him in the multi-sport space, he is the man behind Coast to Coast alongside a pretty epic support crew. I really enjoyed catching up with Glenn, and although I've known him the majority of my life, going way back to when he taught me at Mauhut College, which to be fair to both of us is many years ago, I learned so much about his upbringing and experiences prior to getting into the race director role. We cover his experience growing up as a kid amongst a mid-Canterbury arable family, what inspired him to become a PE teacher, his passion for snow sports, the great outdoors and adventure racing, and of course plenty around how on earth he juggles a role as massive as Coast to Coast alongside his family and the farm. We hope you enjoy this conversation as we both had a great time recording this episode. Don't forget, this is a new podcast and taking a few seconds to review on your listening platform is always appreciated. Hello. Hey Glenn, how are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Good. I made it. You did, you made it. No, well thanks for your time. I understand you're very busy. So Glenn, a lot of people know you from... Uh, well, from the multi-sport scene, they know you as the race director of Coast to Coast, but there's quite a bit more to unpack with you than that. Do you want to maybe introduce a little bit about who you are outside of Coast to Coast and, and what you do? Yeah, so yeah, my name is Glenn Curry and I'm the um, race director for Katmandu Coast to Coast, which is a pretty, uh, pretty cool role, um, comes with a lot of responsibility, but yeah, also really rewarding. Um, outside of that, uh, I live in a town called Neckman. Um which is about now from Christchurch under the Mount Hutt ski area, and uh, I run our our family farm, which is a uh, 250 hectares arable farm where we um, yeah, grow a number of crops and fatten a number of lambs and cattle and things. So, and then outside of that, I've got three three boys that um, I chase around in terms of their sport, and um, my wife and I, it's almost like a full time job chasing those lads around and um, getting amongst their activities as well. So, yeah, that's what keeps me busy. Yeah, keeps you fit. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I don't know about that, but it keeps me busy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and growing up, what was that like? Have you always been really into sport, or did you kind of get more into the multi-sport scene as you grew up a little bit more? Yeah, no, multi-sport, I, was, I mean, I grew up sort of in the 90s, um, was my teenage years, and multi-sport wasn't really a thing um, for, for young people, I suppose. Um, I've actually just come from my child's athletics this morning, so he's down at athletics doing primary school athletics, and... Unfortunately, he's probably got my genetics, and I, you know, I was terrible at athletics, and uh, sort of just turned up for the lunch and the sausage at lunchtime, etc. Um, so, yeah, I loved sport; I was very passionate about it. But um, probably my passion was greater than my ability for most of school sport. But uh, yeah, I played rugby for the you know sort of local rugby team, and then cricket, and did sort of touch rugby. And they were in my younger years; they were sort of my things. Um, my dad ran the farm back then in the nineties and eighties. It was a really busy time, so. To do activities outside of that, um, you know, like for a farmer was you know, probably really challenging, I suppose. So if we played sort of, you, you know, you, uh, or your sort of, your um, historical sports, I suppose. And um, yeah, I, really, I mean, I enjoyed those. It was good fun. Yeah. And coming yeah. from, from quite a sporty family, was there a fair bit of competition? Uh, definitely, yeah. Um, I've got an older sister. So, but my younger brother and I definitely um, battled away in the backyard every day, whether it be cricket or rugby on the back um, on the lawn. And um, yeah, there, there's there were plenty of broken bones and stuff on the back lawn, just one on one rugby, etc. So no, it was uh, yeah, it was definitely 
plenty of competition and everything was, everything generally ended up being a competition. And what many people may not know as well is once upon a time you did indeed compete in coast to coast yourself. Uh, so how did that occur from, I guess, doing the odd bit of sport at school and not enjoying athletics to actually doing like something like The Longest Day? Yeah, so yeah, I developed a passion probably for multi-sport later on. Um, when I was at school, I was really into, you know, I played rugby and stuff and then probably about 14 or 15 I found snow sports. And uh, I found snowboarding actually, and I actually really, you know, that was probably my passion. I really got into snowboarding and competed in, um, actually competed in half-pipe snowboarding. And, you know, I was probably like any teenage boys into that sort of stuff and thought, right, I'm going to be a professional snowboarder, and that was what I was going to do. But a couple of broken, uh, or a couple of snapped uh, ligaments and an ACL and a shoulder reconstruction, and I started looking at things a bit differently. But uh, snowboarding probably led to me to finding, um, you know, sort of developing a real passion for the outdoors. And that that was, um, in the end, what, after school, why I ended up going to study at university and actually focusing on being a physical education teacher. It was my passion around the outdoors, and I sort of learned how to whitewater kayak and really enjoyed that and got into mountain biking and then snowboarding and skiing. And that was any, any minute I could find, that's what I did, basically, was those activities. And um, at school, I was... Uh, you know, when it came to that crunch time when it's like, what are you going to do? All I could think about was the fact that I wanted to snowboard and um, <laughs> and be in the outdoors as much as I could. So when I was looking at university, I mean, basically I said, oh, I was a phys ed teacher. I can still do plenty of that, you know, and um, I was in my geography as well, so I studied that as well. So I ended up at university and um, my cousin actually, I heard of the coast to coast. We followed it a bit when we were younger, but didn't know a lot about it. Um, and my cousin had actually entered it. So we went down and uh, watched her and I was just people. But um, I was definitely university. I, I was your typical, probably young university student where the focus was partying. And uh, outside of that, I'd be any day I could skip lectures and go snowboarding was a priority. So the thought of coast to coast was definitely not um, not something I'd do. And, um, I managed to travel overseas for a couple of years and teach snowboarding over in Colorado and, and enjoyed that. And, and then I, yeah, I did. I had a shoulder reconstruction and was supposed to be going back to Colorado when I finished my university degree, but. As a result of that, couldn't. And my ex-physique teacher, who was my PE teacher at school, suggested we do this coast-to-coast. Coast. And, and uh, there was a bit of a red line involved in that decision. And I thought, well, I'm going to be in the country for a year. Maybe we should give it a crack. So um, so that's uh, how it sort of ended up. And I, yeah, ended up um, yeah doing doing the coast-to-coast coast really when I was first year out of university and my first year teaching. So, um, yeah, it gave it a good crack. So it was good. Yeah, right. And who was your ex-PE teacher? Uh, he was well, he's still a phys ed teacher, and uh, that was his name's James Roderick. He's, he's got, and uh, so he's got some talented kids now too. His daughter's a very good triathlete, and his son's a great rugby player. So um, yeah, so he um, he taught me, and he's still teaching down here today. With um, yeah, he, he's a, he was a great teacher, and uh, very um, yeah, he's passionate in terms of endurance, endurance sport, etc. Yeah, no, an awesome teacher. And in fact, I'm not sure if many people know either, but you were once my PE teacher many years ago as well, if that makes you feel old. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Kush. Yeah, no, I remember that well in our cycling group. So I tried to share a bit of my passion for multi-sport through. So yeah, no, that does make me feel old. And uh, I get really regularly now. So um, yeah, no, it was, um, yeah, so I was, I, was a teacher for, I was a teacher for around 13 years. Oh. Um, and mainly in New Zealand, I taught... Um, at a school called Mount Hutt College, and then I taught in the UK as well for a couple of years. So, um, really rewarding career, and uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed enjoyed my time, my time in education. 
Yeah. I didn't actually yeah. realise you'd done quite so much in terms of uh, snow sport either, to be fair, um, and travelled with that, but that's pretty cool. Um, being in New Zealand, I mean, Mount Hutt's at our back door here in Methodism, which is epic, but where's one of your favourite places to actually go skiing or, or boarding? Um, yeah, well, I haven't. North America is probably where I've been overseas, but probably, um, and yeah, when I was younger, it was all about doing jumps and that sort of stuff, but as I've got older and my body hasn't allowed, I'll probably... I've probably discovered um, ski touring and the adventure side of skiing, really. So, and most of that's been done in New Zealand. So, actually, Canterbury, New Zealand, is probably where I've had the best experiences on snow. And it's now about the adventure and doing trips on your skis and going to find new stuff and new terrain, really, that you can ski. So, yeah. So, no, I, I still, I'm still very much passionate. I've got three boys now that are right into it and want to do it every minute they can too. So, uh, yeah, it's great fun, and uh, we're, yeah, we're really fortunate with what we've got in New Zealand. It's completely anyone who knows probably knows, like you know, once you're skiing in North America or Europe or whatever, you know, skiing in New Zealand is always a bit of a, you know, like it's a bit of a yeah, it's not quite the same, I suppose. But there's there's something about New Zealand skiing and the adventures you can have which is pretty unique. Mm, mm. I have heard that, but I guess you don't know what you don't know, and uh, a lot of people That's, say yeah. the same about Japan. And yeah, I'm keen to yeah, get over right. there and see what it's like. Yeah. yeah, no, Japan's on my list one day, but um, you yeah, haven't, haven't managed to get there either, so yeah, it'll definitely happen. Yeah. Uh, with your time to, uh, well, as a PE teacher, how did you find, in terms of like the NZ curriculum, were there, because it was kind of PE and health back then, did you find there were frustrations with what you feel students should have known or what you would have liked to teach versus what you kind of had to do? Yeah, I, to be honest, I think we were quite fortunate in terms of the physique curriculum back then, and and, then, and there was a lot of um, rope in terms of you know the, if you're teaching, especially NCA or um, and I you know I, I taught through you know I didn't do NCA myself when I was at school it was too long ago, but um, there, there was opportunity within the NCA system to you know sort of almost manipulate it so that you could focus on areas that. That you could. I, I actually thought, especially in the phys ed curriculum, I thought there were some positives there because, you know, as a as a teacher, often the curriculum for New Zealand is created around, you know, like it's created, you know, let's say it's created out of Wellington for the whole country, but students' needs at a school like Mount Huck College are very much different to a student's needs in the in, in the heart of Wellington, and you could sort of create, you could, could manipulate the curriculum if you were willing to to meet those students' needs. Um, probably as a phys ed teacher. I, I, I was passionate about physiology and that side of things and um, the new cur the curriculum in terms of the size of the curriculum that was only a small percentage and I would have liked to see more opportunity actually you know like really get into that the physiology and the training and those are the units that I really enjoy teaching mm. and um, understanding your body and how to get the best out of it and whatnot um, but there were there like the, it did allow there was opportunities within that to allow you to, to teach those things for sure. I think the health and the phys ed space, and you know, particularly with the health space and what we're trying to cover there, is so big. And you know, as a teacher, I, and I, I actually couldn't tell you. I probably only know from what my kids do now. But there was an hour, hour left to teaching health within the curriculum each week. And I mean, yeah, the way society is now, you know, like that, that was a fairly large, um, you know, part. You know, in terms of education, seems to be an increasing area where every teacher almost needs. To teaching an aspect of health, you know, it's a broad, broad subject and, yeah. you know, with, with yeah, society as it is, it's, it seems to be getting bigger and bigger and, and across all curriculums as much as anything, you know, that health side of things. So, um, yeah, I don't know, yeah. Um, yeah, the curriculum probably didn't directly 
wouldn't have directly focused on things that I wanted to, but there was there was ways to manipulate it so that you could, as a teacher, you could actually um you could you know you could sort of corrupt it, I suppose, to um focus on those areas you thought were important for your students. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I probably have quite strong views on this being a dietitian, but I mean, you look at the health of New Zealanders now, and I think you know English and maths, of course, are crucial, but I think just understanding basic bodily function and nutrition and how to cook a healthy meal is so crucial and so many people leave school not really knowing those basics. No, absolutely. And I mean, I've got three young boys at the moment and look at them and, you know, yeah, it's quite, you, you can see them and, you know, how they act and how they're busy and stuff and you, you can pretty much put down, if, you know, if we have a period of bad nutrition, you know, that it's going to, you know, impact them and, uh, yeah, it's really crucial. And, yeah, historically it was just probably, you know, that's what I'm, <laughs> The meal thing was very basic, and we didn't have options and mm. you know takeaways or this and that. And so, you know, we probably have lost a little bit in terms of um, what is what is um, crucial in terms of young people and their nutrition, really. Mm. And what took you to the UK with teaching? Uh, I was probably typical, um, just typical sort of travel thing. I'd been in the states teaching snowboarding. Um, my wife was keen; she'd done uh, ten years of back-to-back winters. And she was keen for some time. I wanted to travel a bit more, and she was keen for some time off. Um, time off winter. So we we went to the UK um, for the summer, basically, and we spent you know a couple of years there and did odd jobs. And I ended up in ed- education over there, yeah. which was actually really cool, um, and made some money. And we were, it enabled us to travel outside of there. So whilst I was there, I actually bought a bike and cycled around uh, cycled around Europe by myself. For a couple of months, um, through France and uh, Italy and uh, Switzerland and Germany, oh, wow. and uh, just yeah, sort of took my backpack and biked around those areas, yeah. uh, and then we and then we actually went and travelled together around Africa and did some um, sort of trekking and hiking and stuff over there. So I suppose probably the UK thing was really it was like to go to the UK, earn some money to allow us to travel um, some a couple of areas that we wanted to see whilst we we're over there. But it was very much sort of young people doing the UK thing, travelling and, and teaching sort of was. Yeah, enabled me to make enough money to travel from there, really. Yeah, the big OE. Yeah, it was. It was sort of that OE box, I suppose, yeah. Yeah. What was a highlight that you'd uh, recall regularly now from, like, when you cycled around Europe? What's, like, a standout memory for you? Oh, it was pretty cool, eh? But probably for me, just France and cycling back roads in France. France was really cheap, and so I could camp wherever I wanted. But just cycling back roads in France and then coming through a small village and, and, you know, like, their sort of bread out on the windowsill sort of, um, you know, freshly cooked bread or a baguette or whatever and just pulling over and buying one of those and actually just, yeah, I don't know, sitting in the middle of France and the countryside in the baguette on the side of the road, you know, with ham and olives or whatever, it seemed like, yeah, I, I still look back and think of those moments, just the sunshine and, yeah, it was that was probably the highlight, just those real simple things and, yeah. um, and a simple way of life out in the countryside there, which, I mean, you'll find in New Zealand as well, but it was nice just to slow down and experience those from from a bicycle and, and the way French people treat cyclists where, you know, like you, it almost felt like you as a cyclist were priority on the road and then everyone else driving cars and tractors actually, you know, they were secondary on the road and, you know, anyone to drive past you very slowly when they have the opportunity to pass safely and give you a wave and, you know, shout out the window and, um, you know, say hello out the window, et cetera. It was like you almost, you know, if you're on a bike, you were, you were considered, uh, you're very important. It was, yeah. Different bit of a contrast to New Zealand, I suppose. Yeah, maybe the roots of Tour de France. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah not so yeah, much. I ended up on a couple of those stages, so it was cool to see. But oh, yeah, nice. great fun. 
yeah, just um, yeah, just uh, and then yeah, packing around. I mean, Switzerland is stunning, but yeah, but front that those little French countryside areas were probably the highlight. Yeah, nice one. And was this prior to coming back and doing coast, or was this at the end of your teaching? So I'd raced one coast. So coast for me, I was like coast to coast for me. I was very much you know it was a bucket list thing, and. Uh, I said, oh, yeah, I'd like to do a coast-to-coast. And uh, what happened was, yep, it was a bucket list thing for me initially. And I was probably like a lot of people who said, yeah, I'll take that off. And then I definitely got addicted. <laughs> and um, so I did the coast, and it was the first one I'd ever done. And this, my, my mate James and I did it. And he said, well, bugger it. We're just going to do the longest day straight away. And I was like, yeah, right, I will do that. And uh, so I'd done quite a bit of whitewater kayaking. And I was like, right, so... What kayak should I get? So I Googled up and found out what the guy Steve Gurney was about the only person I'd yep. heard of with paddles. So I went and bought one of those and um, we've got a local canal that we sort of did the trading on. So I was straight down there, a couple of paddle strokes. Oh, I'm all right in this. And then tried to turn around and fell over and lost some sunglasses and whatnot. Oh, uh, it'll, be, it'll be right. And then we decided, oh, we'll go paddle this WiMAC. And, uh, I, you know, hopefully nobody follows my advice on how I did it. But James and I did be down there. So we thought, right, we'll go do this. And, so we, we, we actually took a heap of gear because we didn't really know what we were doing. So we actually had a tent jammed at the back of our kayak and we cooked this and stuff and all the safety gear and whatnot. Took off and sort of my cousin dropped me off and said, oh, it took me sort of six hours last time we went. So we're budgeting on about six hours. Well, I think we were eight hours and I had 18 swims um, oh down God. the river. And, and both of us still, you know, we still reflect on that day where and I just remember turning around and we thought we heard about this place Woodstock. You could get out of. I said, "No, nah, no, nah, we'll go all the way to the gorge." And we went all the way to the gorge. I just remember paddling past that Woodstock and turning around and saying, "There's no way in hell I'm doing that long to stay." You know, like I was just in survival mode, and that. Uh, yeah, it was a heck of an experience. But that was my first experience with the Waikaria, I suppose. And um, yeah, it was definitely it was fairly challenging. And uh, my my new kayak, my new Evo Edge, definitely didn't look new after that race. And I was starting to look at kayak options, but. That was early in the piece. It was a year before we planned on racing, so we'd given ourselves a year of time. And yeah, I sort of walked away from that, saying there's no one doing a longer stay. But we ended up um, we ended up doing it, and I completed it. And uh, I, you know, I did uh, about twelve hours and forty minutes, which wasn't a bad time. And you know, I thought, oh, that's not bad for the first year. And I, I, I developed an addiction for um, for uh, definitely for the event. And I went on from there and actually did some races that following year. And, there used to be a race called the Gold Gold Rush, which um, you know that was that was one of the greatest races around. I think it was three days, but unfortunately, just the way life is nowadays, it's it's fallen over. But I managed to win that post coast to coast, and then win another couple of races. Well, I'm doing alright at this, but I was at an age where I wanted to go do some travel. So, and my wife, my wife is still um, teaching over in America, and I wanted to go back there to snowboard instructing. So, I sort of got pulled away from the um, coast to coast and. Packed my gear up and headed overseas basically for a couple of years and then, and then returned and got back into it. And that was when I would have been teaching you, et cetera, on return, yeah. Nice. So the first yeah. ever Coast to Coast you did, eventually after starting out with 18 swims down the YMAC but managing to do really well, what year was yeah. that? Oh, geez. Uh, 2000 and, 2004, 2005, I think. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And then you came, was that a podium? No, no, that was my first ever multi-sport race I did. So I think I was, I don't know, I was in, I was about 20th or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think who won, it would have been like, yeah, there would have been Richard Usher and Gordon Walker were racing. They were like gods to me, you know, like, <laughs> so, yeah, I was, yeah. So that was the first ever one I did. So then I went away, I went away to the, um, and went away and travelled and whatnot. 
and came home and was pretty keen to give it another crack. And my wife was studying and I was teaching, I ended up teaching in Methven here in Mount Hart College and thought, and, and then went about buying gear to have another crack. And I got trained, I actually got training and I, you know, raced peak to peak down in Queenstown and managed to win that and was going really well. And then I got, I actually got really sick and, um, and I, yeah, I was, I was exceptionally sick and actually at the time to take time out of work and no one could actually work out what, what was wrong with me. And then, um, eventually I ended up getting a scan and getting rushed to Christchurch Hospital and I developed the cyst in my, um, cyst in my liver. Oh. And I was immediately in an ambulance to Christchurch and had a drain put in my liver. I got what it came stem from was a tooth infection that had got in my bloodstream and parked itself in my liver. And uh, and I've heard of a couple of people that have had it. And it was basically at a stage where the cyst was that big that potentially if it had popped, it was you know that would have been it. Basically, it was um, getting to that stage. So I was rushed to Christchurch and put on a. Um, they put me on. They basically drained it straight away. And uh, yeah, it was, it was my wife still talks. I was, I was unconscious at this stage, and what I still remember was talking about the, the smell that was basically coming out of me. Of this, that was disgusting. So, so that that actually, and then I actually was on um, fairly significant antibiotics, and uh, um, for the next sort of couple of months and stuff, and and that wiped me out for another year of thinking about doing coast to coast. So again, I got put on the back burner, and then finally I got healthy and built for another crack, and. Um, and then managed to have another race, and, and I managed to get third, third in that next race because I had a proper build up, and um, was really happy about that. And uh, at this stage, we actually had our first child, so we had a son, and um, I sort of trained. He was he was very young, and his first words were "Tata, Daddy," because I was either going to work or going training. So he he, he grew up with just watching me walk out the door and go to train. So. So I did another coast and got third, and I was quite happy with that. I think I got beaten by Dougal Allen and Richard Usher back then, and um, but I wasn't so I wasn't too too disappointed to be beaten by those two. And and then a sort of open pathways getting third. To, um, I think we went and raced in China, and I did a number of God zones, and and um, yeah, opened a lot of doors to doing a number of races overseas, etc., which was pretty cool. It was really exciting. And then I, I really I had a niggle that I wanted one more go coast and. My wife said, "Right, you can have um, uh, yeah, I yeah. What happened then? I had no. So I had one child, and then and then I wanted to have one more go. She goes, you can have another go if we have another child.' So I did my <laughs> second go, and we had a second child, and then so I wanted to have one more shot at coast. And she said, uh, "Well, you don't know the deal." And so basically, we had our third child, and I did one more coast, and I actually ended up getting third again. My brother and I raced the raid one, and Richard Usher got second, and I got third, and uh, so we had a third child, and I. You know, by then I, I didn't think I'd have any more than three children, so I didn't really have the guts to ever ask to do another coast. So um, I did three coasts and three longest days, but did a heck of a lot of um, ended up doing four to five god zones and raced overseas and in China a number of times, and then you know a couple of mountain bike races over in the Aussie and things. So um, yeah, and then yeah, I raced some highlights, probably racing the Pioneer in New Zealand and Pioneer mountain bike race and yeah, various races throughout New Zealand and. And then, yeah, life, life got pretty busy with work and my kids sort of chasing their goals. So, um, yeah, multi-sport sort of uh, tried, tried up a little bit in terms of racing. Yeah, far yeah. out. What a journey. That's awesome. Yeah, that is, yeah, sort of probably 15 years to, yeah, where I am now. Yeah. Um, and what a comeback to be so unwell and then get third in longest day. I mean, longest day is no joke. <laughs> and to come third, like you said, behind Dougal and Richard Usher, that's very impressive. Yeah. yeah, no, I was pretty stoked. So I was, yeah, I mean, two thirds that, that in that event, 
and you know I'm probably quite quite proud of that. I think I did one year we did sort of eleven hours and five minutes, which is you know over that course is uh, yeah. So I was kind of happy to hang my hat on that, I suppose, in terms of my coast to coast life. Yeah, a highlight to finish on for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, three kids in the process. <laughs> Yeah, and I had three kids when I did my last race, so, and it was cool having them on the finish line when I did the last one, really, so, yeah, no, it was definitely, uh, it was a fair juggle and a fair testament to my wife, I suppose, and yeah, she, yeah, she probably had to live through that as well. Yeah, kudos to her. Yeah. yeah, kudos to her. And with Godzone, um, you were teammates with someone else we've had on the podcast once or twice, and that is Dan Jones. Yeah, no, I got to race with Dan. I actually see Dan on TV a fair bit nowadays and tell my boys, I love pointing out, I used to race, I raced with Dan in God's Zone, and they go, you're right, I did. Like, they did that article when he was training over in Kenya. No, 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 I raced with Dan, and uh, yeah, so now I raced with Dan, it was awesome. We had a great time, Dan and I, out there, actually, it was good fun. Yeah, yeah. And of all the adventure races you've done, would you, like, I mean, it's, it's really unfortunate God Zone's not going to happen anymore, um, but what what was it about God Zone that you enjoyed or love the challenge of yeah i think um i think for me multi-sport appealed like especially the coast to coast like endurance sport's a great thing but for me i was really passionate about the outdoors but i am actually a competitive person and like i sort of said earlier that my my, my competitiveness and love of sport was definitely above my ability probably in time in terms of when i was young but i'm very competitive so all of a sudden i found the sport where it was about the outdoors which i loved but it was also competitive and um so coast was great for that and people always ask me, do you like to do an Ironman and stuff? I said, well, like my passion is the outdoors. That's what I enjoy. Mm-hmm. And Ironman doesn't really appeal to me like in terms of it doesn't give me that, that, that factor. And so, and God's Own was probably another step on from that too. It's just a massive adventure in the outdoors, like planning an expedition basically, yeah. like trying to do it as fast as you can. And that for me was probably um, why, yeah, I really enjoyed them. Yeah, well, I really, yeah, and everyone says they really enjoy expedition racing, and there's plenty of moments within an expedition race that you just want to hide and get yourself hell out of there. But uh, that's for me, expedition racing was like the combination of the outdoor skill set and being in the outdoors with a good bunch of humans, as well as racing, you know, having that competitive thing too. So, and it was probably, it's probably the ultimate test, you know, like I, I'd be first to admit that uh, I definitely speed's not a uh, um, gene that's in my, you know, that uh, I have. So it's like, it, it's about the grind and mind over matter, really, and um, working with other people, which I typically do. So, um, yeah, it was sort of the ultimate test. So I, I the couple, the, the ones that I did, I, yeah, I definitely, I, I remember, I remember with, um, yeah, I had great fun and, um, and, and enjoyed it immensely. So, yeah, the ultimate test. So, yeah, real shame that God's own, um, you know, at the moment is parked and hopefully someone will, someone will pick it up and pick up that mantle. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I hope so too. Yeah. Do you think you'd ever get back to do Coast to Coast yourself? Um, yeah, I, I definitely would. Um, I, yeah, I def- it'll probably be when, that'll probably be determined how long I do my role as race director. It's probably that want to, and I won't say race, but do the event again. Um, I'd love to do it in some capacity with a family member or with my family. And, um, you know, I, I'd like, I mean, the course is just so amazing. And I'd love to go through that and experience experience that buzz as a competitor again. And, um, yeah, it is, uh, it'll be forever for me. Like, you know, that, that first coast will forever be me in terms of my racing highlight. Like, it was such an experience and a year of learning how all that skill set and doing that event. And I managed to get two thirds after that, but I'll still say the most rewarding one was that first one actually ticking the box. The longest day was um, crossing that finish line was still probably the best part of it. Um, um, I've ever had from an event, you know, a finish line. That was the best finish line I've ever crossed. So, 
yeah, I'll di- I would say I'll definitely end up filling another coast, and uh, um, but just don't know when. Yeah. It's not it's not on the cards in the next four or five years anyway. Oh, watch the space. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't watch it too closely. It'll be very social. <laughs> um, with with coast to coast, is your favourite discipline of that race the same as your strength? Um, you know, I actually don't know what my favourite discipline is. To be honest, um, yeah. I mean, that, and that was a beautiful thing about the coast is that the great thing about that event is you, you've got to be strong in every discipline. Like you can't be weak in so. Like everyone thinks oh, I'm cycling. You're actually doing, you know, you're doing over 180 k's. You're doing 180 k's of cycling. Like you've got to be a strong cyclist. Mm. Um, the kayak's crucial. You know, you've got to have a skill set as well as be able to paddle a boat fast. And the, and the runs the same. You know, you've got to have this amazing off-road running ability and be fast. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're all my favourite, and that was why the coast, the coast is such. I mean, it's so hard to copy because every discipline is super important, mm. and every discipline on that race. I mean. You go down that um, Waimakariri Gorge on a stunning day and there's no place you'd rather be, but you know, coming across Go Pass on a perfect day too, it's like, how good is this? You know, <laughs> like, mm. it's, um, so, yeah, I, don't, I actually don't know what my favourite discipline is, but probably my strongest, actually, I mean, both races that I ended up third, I had to pass a couple of people on the last ride, so I suppose you could argue my time trialling was probably the strongest discipline to actually get me in those positions, you know, so, um, so yeah, but, and that ride was probably my least part, favourite part of the event, so. So maybe the answer is no. <laughs> yeah, you kind of have to be a jack of all trades. Mm. Definitely, yeah, and it's a, yeah, you can't have a, you just can't have a weak leg, or you know, every you know anyone who's won it has been strong in all three has to be strong in all three disciplines. Mm, mm. Yeah. With uh, your nutrition, if you can yep. sort of go back to your racing, what what was your approach, and like, were there any little tricks you had, especially with coast, because it's quite you know, there's a lot of logistics involved. So, um, yep. yeah, tell us a bit more about how you dealt with your own nutrition. Yeah, so we're going back a wee way, Kush, but um, my, <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you about when I first did God's Own, because my brother and I actually did it in the same year, and uh, I just uh, just a note on that, he didn't finish, but I did, so it's one, it's one I've got up on him, but um, we had no idea what we were doing in expedition racing, and him and I were talking about it before, and we're both in different teams, and neither of us knew what we were doing, and we ended up buying, I think both of us bought $450 each of one square meal. And we just planned on racing an entire expedition race on one sweet meal. We didn't know any different, you know. And I remember turning up with my team who uh, and an Aussie team who invited me to come race for them. And um, we ended up getting third, I think, in that race. And they took one look at it. I said, well, they said, what are you going to eat? And I just put this massive sack of one sweet meal down. They said, good luck to you. And then they showed me about, you know, expedition racing foods just out the, out the door, you know. Like, um, actually, we, I remember in one of our races we had, credit card on us and we called into a pub and just ordered hot chips and we were just scoffing these hot chips and there was a family sitting next to us and these two boys are just staring at us and you could see their mum's hands there and the kids are like the kids are we said hey you're right boys and they said yeah and they asked us about what we're doing if we're doing a sport called expedition racing and all you could see us eating chips and he just turned to a pump going i want to do that sport one day man <laughs> like um but yeah in coast i actually i really struggled with gel so i, I could i used very few i'd end up vomiting basically on them pretty quick so my advice for nutrition is probably work out. It's very and you know it's unique to the person and working out what works for you. And you've got to do that in training, as I'm sure you tell all your um all your crew you work with, Kush, and you've got to work out what works for you. And I probably my claim to fame, I reckon, is I was, I still reckon I was probably the first person to discover the baby food sachets. And um, I was doing that, you know, sort of 15, 20 years ago, getting these baby food sachets and going down to the supermarket and. And um, the reason why is I had a child at home and he had one. I thought, oh, i try this. And I looked at how much carbohydrate was in it. And I took it out. I was like, this works, you know. And I think it was 
um, Puma and something in it. And I was like, oh, I can actually eat this. And so I, I was right into those. Um, I was on the run. I was generally, for the coast, I generally end up taking jowls just because I could carry them and I'd just survive on those for the run and then I wouldn't have another jowl for the rest of the day after the run. Um, in the kayak, I carried I carried um, a big, I had a direct water system from the river and then I had a small hydration pack in my, um, in my PFD which had like electrolyte and then I had a um, Ensure, I think it's Ensure mix in, the, in my bladder and my kayak which was fairly thick which is like a liquid meal replacement and I, I think I put about 10 shots of um, coffee in that as well. Um, and that was sort of my kayak, that was my kayak thing. So I was sort of sucking on that the whole way down the kayak. Chocolate Ensure yeah. was sort of what kept me going. And then, yeah, and then um, a couple of music bars and the um, PFD really. But yeah, it was it was probably one of my weaknesses was um, nutrition and just trying to get stuff that would actually sit in my stomach. And pretty much every race I'd end up vomiting at some stage. But, you know, it's just the nature of my stomach reacting to things. But, okay. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm very fond of savoury foods and salty foods, so I end up trying to, you know, fill the gaps with those a bit too, just to keep things going. Yeah. Also, we yeah. heard it here first. Clint Curry is the OG creator of baby foods and sport. Well, I'm going to claim it. <laughs> I've been them since I started. My wife gets wondering where these things would go out of the cabinet, out, out of the pantry, and I, you know, I sort of discovered them one day on a bike ride. And, you know, I'm quite into these, so mm. yeah, it's like the custard ones and stuff. Are good. Yeah, the banana custard. Oh, delicious! Yeah. So good. And you just go through it. You could work out some of them had like 30 grams of carbohydrate in the, in the sachet, and I was like, perfect. So yeah. 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 And what about now? I mean, you you've you're fairly educated, being a PE teacher and health um, back in the day and through sport and things. So what are some of the I guess, nutrition principles you have in day-to-day life now? <laughs> I don't know if I have many, Kirsch. I, I, probably pre- I was probably like you. I've got 10, 12 years I preached nutrition and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and physical well-being. And I probably feel like 10, for the last five or six years of my life that I've probably abused that. But, um, <laughs> and, and, um, and, and I'll challenge you one day. You'll find yourself in a different situation of life where all of a sudden it's like you're probably in survival mode and, you know, like when you used to have time, it was like, you, you know, I could actually prepare what I wanted to eat. But I am conscious probably because of my kids is, um, you know, I you know, I try to make sure. And, and and my wife's very food conscious. So she, you know, like she, I'm lucky that she prepares a lot of the meals and we, we try to eat a fairly balanced diet. I'm really fortunate that we're on a farm and, you know, like protein and meat is part of my diet. But I also have access to meat that I, and I know where it's come from, um, which I'm lucky, lucky to have. And, um and also chickens with eggs, etc. But you just, I mean, it's its a pretty straightforward diet, really. It's, uh, I mean, dare I say it, it's meat and three veg mixed up in different ways each day, really. And, um, yeah, I just, my life's completely different to what it was 10 years ago when I was training and exercising. And my life's really probably a lot around working and uh, and my kids, really, and providing providing them with their, their lifestyle and, and raising them. So my, my nutrition's probably based around that, too, and keeping them fed and, yeah, and that's, there's a fair bit of food that goes through our house. So, um, yeah, I suppose I'm yeah very much just probably on the uh, basic meat and three veg journey. And, uh, yeah, so I don't know if you want to hear that or not, but that's that's how I sort of live. No, I love honesty. Yeah, all about it. Um, yeah. And, yeah, you're so right. Different chapters in life throw different challenges at you. With, yeah. with now, would you say, like, how much training or purposeful exercise would you do compared to 10 years ago? Uh, I would say compared to ten years ago, probably about two percent of what I used to do. Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely. Um, and I'm, you know, I'll openly admit that. You know, if I can get, 
if I can get two hours of exercise in a week to myself, that's pretty good going. Um, I, my jobs, my job can be physical on the farm, so I get a bit done. Actually, over summer with posts, I try to get out of the course, and that's often when I can get a bit of exercise in. But I like straight up, my life is really a lot of my exercise that I do get is associated to my children. Yeah. And um, when they're out riding their bikes, I try to get on mine and go for a ride with them. Or um, we ski a lot, so I'm always skiing with them and chasing them around. And but definitely, um, and probably just in the last year, I've found a little bit more freedom to actually do some stuff for myself too, where they're a bit more in- independent, can leave home and um, leave them at home and things. And also, they can come and do the things that probably the more endurance sort of stuff that I want to do as well, much to their disgust at times. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's just, um, yeah, I'll probably, like, you know, people ask me if I'm going to race and stuff, and I just, you know, at the moment, you know, my, my focus is um, my family, really, and providing them with opportunities. So there's not really a lot of time for me to do that stuff. That's the, the honest truth, really. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, in the future, we might see a tandem with one of your sons. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'd love to, absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't know if they'll be so keen to go there, old man. I'll be slowing them down too much, I'd say. But yeah, with my wife or something. So yeah, yeah. there's plenty of options going forward. That'd be very cool. And with more about your coast-to-coast race directing role, like how did that happen? Yeah, I suppose um, I was around 37, 38 years old and um, I was teaching. And, you know, I, I had teaching relatively under control. I really enjoyed it. But I was probably at a stage where I wasn't necessarily challenged by it. And I had to make a decision whether I was going to stick with education, and that probably involved um, involved me probably involved me, you know, moving and working towards becoming sort of senior leadership, like a principal, etc. Um, I sort of um, hit a faculty, and I sort of had senior leadership roles, middle management roles, and and I had to make a decision: if do I kick on with this, and that's what I'm doing for the next twenty years, or do I go do something different? And we've obviously got a family farm, and. My old man was like making grumbles of like, you know, do you want to have a go? And what, there was no pressure or anything, just like, would you be interested? And I sort of was like, it's like family business. And um, I, you know, I had no comprehension of agriculture or farming by this stage. I had 37 education and fitness and health and events were my background. And I actually got a phone call from um, the owner of Trojan Holdings out of the brew, um, blue, Mike Davies, um, who, and they own Coast to Coast. It was completely out of the blue. It was lunchtime at school one day. And I'd never met this guy, and he was just straight into giving me stick about whether I had students running around me and whatever. And he just said, look, I've got an opportunity around the coast to coast. Would you be interested in talking about it? And um, Richard Usher was the current race director, and it was as simple as that. And uh, I'd organised a race locally and had a lot of dealings with the Department of Conservation. I had a background of risk management in terms of my outdoor head role. And I had, I suppose I had a background of coast to coast and then a background in terms of um, whitewater kayaking and, you know, sort of that, that outdoor scene. And... That, that was why they sort of probably looked at me and then in terms of the management school skills from education yeah. and um, that was probably why they looked at me and just said, you know, this is the opportunity, would you be interested? And, um, yeah, so that sort of it threw me a little bit and I was like, wow, oh, what an opportunity mm. and uh, very, very daunting. Um, but, yeah, that's how I ended up in the role. So I said, yeah, no, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. So um, at 37, 38, I pretty much, which is sort of funny age, to say, right, I'm starting from scratch and doing something completely different, especially when I had three young boys and stuff. So, um, yeah, that's that's how I ended up in the role of um, race director from coast to coast. Good on you. So what's that? That's yeah. How many years have you been in the role now? I was actually thinking about that the other day. I think I've been there seven years now, so yeah. seven, seven events. So, yeah, so, um, yeah, really rewarding. Um, it, it was challenging. Like, I... Like I was replacing Richard Usher, who, you know, as a sports person, is you know, probably 
I mean, he's an Olympian for skiing. He was probably one of, I, I'd argue he's probably the, the best all-round coast-to-coast male ever in terms of his skill set. Yeah. And, um, you know, a great guy. And I was coming in and, you know, I got a couple of thirds but definitely didn't have the sporting background of him. Yeah. Um, we probably, you know, we probably have similarities in terms of personality. And then you had Robin Judkins who was the race director before that. He had this huge personality. And actually a lot of the event was built around that. Yeah. And and Richard had moved away from that. And I'm quite conscious of that too, that the events, you know, like Juddy did a great job, but I'm very different with the events not about me. It's about um it's about it's about the event, you know, the event's that big now that it's about the actual course and the competitors. So I'm probably more of a backgrounds guy and, and Richard was the same. So but it was really daunting coming in and saying, Well, you know, I'm I'm not Richard Usher and uh, you know, where do I fit in this picture sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, it definitely took me a couple of years to get around that. And then at the same time, I was learning agriculture, you know, coming in, and which is, you know, like that, the field of agriculture is huge as well. I'm trying to be a farmer um, and still learning to this day and still learning how to run coast to coast better to this day. So, yeah, really, I've had a pretty exciting six years, really busy again. And again, my wife's like sort of ground away in the background while I'm all over the show trying to do these roles. Yeah. And so seven, eight years ago or so, Coast to Coast definitely what it is now in terms of popularity. So like that, that's a pretty huge success to get it. Like, I mean, there's hundreds of people on the wait list each year now, um, which wasn't always the case. So what were some of the key things that you think you and I guess initially Richard Usher did to really try and get the um, popularity going? Yeah, so the race was in, when Trojan picked it up, it was in a pretty, um, you know, and, and, it was in a sad state, but that wasn't like, you know, people probably said, you know, people probably indicated it was the way the management, but that wasn't because of that. It was actually society, and, you know, we'd had earthquakes in Christchurch, and there was all these things where, you know, it was actually, you know, there's the GFC at that time, and it was just in a difficult space, you know, like, and and the event, you know, the event was struggling, and it was because of, those, in my mind, it was because of those factors, but it also needed, it needed energy, and like anything, you know, like, you know, when I was a school teacher, you know, I was probably getting to a state, and I always said as when I was school teaching that if I ever dragged my feet in the classroom, that that was time for me to get out. And at 38, I was sort of dragging my feet a little bit, going, you know, I was under control, and I didn't have the energy that I did during my 20s when I was teaching, and, that, and that's what happens to people naturally, you know. So it needed, it needed some energy, and that was the first thing that, you know, Trojan invested in and created some energy around it, and, you know, probably modernised it a little bit, brought up, you know, and it's just simple things like signage and, and, and created a shine and a buzz around it. Yeah. Uh, the concept of the coast, you know, the coast had been around, you know, it's 40 years old, and the initial sort of the promotion, the whole promotion around the event was around it being a hard man's event. You know, it had this, it had the sponsor states and their, their brand was built around Southern Man, you know, you know your sort of mm. your typical, you know, what you, what you envisage a Southern Man to be, and, and the coast was sort of a spin-off of that um that branding, I suppose, and that 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 sort of person, you know, in society is becoming fewer and fewer. Mm. And it was like we, you can't you can't sell an event because there's just not enough people who feel you know see themselves as that person. So the branding had to change to a thing of like a personal challenge. And if you think you can do it, you know, you probably can. You know, and this this is and and we had to create the steps on. You know, we've tried to create the steps in the. the um, template so that someone who looks at it says well do i could i do this the templates say yeah you probably could and that's that's what's happened and and society's changed as well where i always say that you know value in society today over you know, social media things is health and well-being and lifestyle mm. and so we've, we've, we've benefited from that and if you go up the ski fields in new zealand at the moment they're humming because that's what people want to do you know like 
you know, I mean, bars and stuff are slowing down a little bit. The areas like that are humming. We've been, coast has benefited from that. But definitely this, this reframing of who, who can do coast to coast and how to go about it has been a big factor in terms of, um, in terms of, uh, why the event I, I think is so popular. I've been really focused on Australia and saying, well, you know, like there's only so many Kiwis and we can't expect them to come back every year and do this event. And um, because it is expensive and it's, you know, a lot of time, et cetera. So we need to be able to pull enough Australians just to fill that, um, that other area. So, um, so, you know, we do, you know, we, we, and we have got a large interest in Australia as well who want to come over and do the event. So, and just little things, just to make it logistically easier to actually do the event. And yeah, it's all seemed to have worked. So yeah, it's, it's a cool thing to be involved with. So when I started, it took us about eight months to sell everybody out. And we were just on race day, we were just under numbers. And now, yeah, like you say, we have a ballot list and we have 5,000 odd people sitting there for 1,000 positions. So it's a cool space to be in. And, you know, the hardest thing now for us is trying to make it fair for those people that want to do the event and have a go at it to try to keep it fair so that, they, you know, everyone can get a shot at it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I, I think you're so right, like, with the branding. I mean, Katmandu as a brand is so much more aligned to what Coast to Coast is than something like alcohol. Um, and it still makes me feel slightly uncomfortable when these big sporting events have alcohol as advertising or, like, the key sponsor. It just feels wrong. Yeah, and it does. And, um, I mean, Katmandu is amazing. They've definitely helped us. Their brand is definitely, and as a sponsor, like they are, they are incredible, and they've been a huge force behind the event, getting to where it is, and been so positive and you know passionate about it as well. So um, they've been great, and yeah, the alcohol one is yeah, it's a real challenge, and I I'm I've been involved with enough sport and stuff, and even young sport, and when I had you know school groups and stuff, and the hardest factor there is is you know any sporting event, and like Coast is lucky because it is in a position now where it is sustainable financially. But I run other events, so I mean, basically do it for charity. And alcohol, as bad as it is, you know, there is a space there where, you know, they, they did actually finance these events. And, you know, young, you know, everybody, I mean, yeah, young people benefited from that as well. And, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a great, it would have been a great sociology topic in year 13 PE, because like to actually look into it and say, well, do the benefits of the opportunities of sponsorship from alcohol companies are they greater than you know the, the negatives? I don't know, like, but yeah, it is. It doesn't. Yeah, it's not a great fit. But Kamendu is an amazing fit. So um, mm. yeah, lucky to have them on board. Totally, yeah. And might be putting on the spot here with um, wanting some statistics. But do you have any numbers in terms of once upon a time what the stats were of say male versus female entrance were in coast versus now? Yeah. So when we when we sort of picked it up i mean we're down 500 entries but you're sort of averaging around up and that's been one of our goals too so female was sort of around 15 percent of the field we're now last year i'm pretty sure we were 32 percent oh, wow. of the female and it continues to grow and it's a hard statistic now for us to manipulate because it's sort of around that entry that wait list and things and how we can manipulate that but it, it's definitely um Increase. Oh, actually, you know, I'll take my hats off to Nathan Park Bay and um, the Spring Challenge team, and we've benefited from that as well. Where, you know, the Spring Challenge is a great challenge, and often a lot of people come out of that. And what would be the next step? And they look at the two-day coast and say, for you know, for a lot of women, say, well, that you know, potentially I can do that. And that's that's the cool thing about the coast is, you know, the, you know, people think people talk about this hard-out athlete, but there's, you know, you've you've been there and you'll see that. 80% of the field is not a hard-out athlete. It's mum with two kids. It's trying to find something for themselves or a challenge for themselves. It's it's the young professional that's, you know, played rugby, gone to university, got a professional job, wants something, you know, keeps some balance and, you know, buys the toys and does coast to coast. And it's, you know, the dad who sort of probably got to 40 or 50 and said, 
Righto, ready to put my wife into working and um, working and, you know, you know, with the family or whatever, and now I need my challenge, and that's the people that we get turn up. And mm-hmm. It's cool that we can put that adventure on for them and that experience and give them, give them that, that sense of achievement. I agree. There's something for everyone in Coast. It's um, achievable, yeah. even like if you do it as a, a three-person team, for example. I mean, that's just one discipline each or a two-day team or a two-day individual. It's, yeah. I mean, longest yeah, days right. may be a different kettle of fish, but... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's right, and that, and that's and then you get your and it's cool that you get your elite athletes there that just you know they blow my mind still, and you know I, I got to be one of them as well too. But they they're standing on the same start line and rubbing the same shoulders, you know, yeah. So and so who's just trained, to, you know, managed to scrape to get his mouths to train, and it's it a cool thing like that that event, you know. Very cool, yeah. And you were saying about some of the other events you've been involved in. Um, of course, one of them would be Mission Mount Summers. Yeah, so Mission Mount Summers I run. That's our local. There's a local mountain near where I live, and that was actually where I started sort of with my event organisation. It's just it's just a run that I used to run all the time for training for Coast, and it's just something I'm really passionate about. I took it when I taught at school. I taught numerous groups of kids around there, rock climbing. You know, we ran, we, we um, tramped it and whatnot, and it's just probably the perfect trail run in terms of, um, especially the 21K in terms of the Go Pass experience. But we, have a, we have a marathon option too, which is a really tough day out where you go right around the hill. It's a super technical course, so if you, um, you know, like definitely, definitely test the um, proprioception, etc. A bit like go past, a real challenge, and uh, I, I, I call it a passion project. It's just something that I, you know, it's something I like doing, um, and we, we sort of give the money back to the um, um, meth and search and rescue, and we give some money to the um, Walkway Society for managers and stuff. And it's just a really cool thing to be involved with. So that's coming up soon, and. Um, the event, the event uh, calendar in New Zealand is probably really swamped at the moment, and that's a great thing. But you know, we sort of have that on for those people that are keen, and it's as close to Christchurch, so a good, um, challenging run for people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. In the last few years, you've had the duathlon option with the mountain bike and the half marathon run. Is that going ahead this year? No, it's not, Kush. I feel a bit guilty about that, but that just comes down to basically my time. And um, I, I, I've been pretty tapped out in the last two years with Coast, and we also picked up the Rootburn Classic. True. And the mountain bike option at Mission Mount Summers definitely took, you know, probably added another week's work work of work to the event. And for the numbers, I was just like, this year we're just going to run the run and um, keep it quite simple, really. So potentially we'll bring it, bring it, bring it back. And I was just yarning to another guy about a race that we used to do called Big Day at the Office. And one day when, you know, who knows, I'd love to throw that out there again because that's a great event as well for the multi sporters. Yes, and what was the other one um, that was up at our hour as well? Oh, the Frostbuster, yes. yeah. I love the Frostbuster, yeah. that was a good Yeah, it was, a, that was a cool event, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, how, there's a couple more weeks for Mission Mount Summers. Have you got enough entries or should we try and push for a few more people to enter? Yeah, yeah, no, there's still, there's still plenty of spots if people want to sign up, come out and do the half marathon. Half marathon is a, I mean, it's a great challenge, it's tough. It's, it'll be, it is probably one of the toughest half marathons around, but mm-hmm. um, great challenge, like, and especially if you have just, um, finish spring challenge or you're training Kepler or something it's a good day out on the legs and um, yeah it's a good low-key event it's, it's um, I think it's relatively cheap in the scheme of events if you actually look at pricing um, for the experience you get we've got medals um, yeah come on down it's great fun it's easy to come out from Christchurch and um, yeah go for a good um, good hit out on a good track really so yep love some more entries get in cool yeah I'd highly recommend it's a goodie yeah yeah cool um, and with this is something I always wonder with you is uh, obviously arable farming in Canterbury, February is like the month. It's tough. Um, and yep. in February as well, of course, is coast to coast. So how do you survive in February? 
Yeah, it's pretty tough. I, 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 well, February, yeah, so we're, we run an arable farm, so we harvest all our crops in February. Um, I have, um, so we have a staff member on my farm who's, um, yeah, he's exceptional. He's, he's, um, so he works on the end. My dad's still very much involved, which I'm, I'm really lucky with. So, um, but I definitely, um, yeah, I definitely probably, my February, March and early January for me is definitely all right off in my year. And, uh, <laughs> I sort of, um, yeah, people won't see it, but I run, you know, obviously we organise coast and that's played out for two weeks on the course, et cetera, and then the week after packing up. But generally I roll out of coast and drive home and I sort of drive, always end up driving home by myself in Christchurch back to Methven, you know, with back of my mind, like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much straight back on to either a combine harvester or a tractor and uh, for the next month of um, February and March. And, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. It's tough on the family probably as much as anything just because I'm away so much. And then when I do finish Ghost, I roll straight back into sort of 24-7 work for the next month. But, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know how I do it, Kush, actually. But um, and every year I question whether I'm ever going to do it again. But uh, we seem to get through every year. And then I make sure that I enjoy my winter and just slow down a bit. And, um, yeah, so I'm lucky my dad's still really involved. And, um, and then I've got good staff and... You know, like in terms of a business sense, I'll say to anyone that, you know, the Toast runs really well because of the crew that I get to work with. Yeah. Um, they're all amazing. Uh, the farm runs well because of the crew we've got there. And it's just, you know, about having the right people in the right places and, and um, you can make things happen, really. So, yeah. So, yeah, no, I, yeah, no, I, I don't yeah, I don't really know how it works, but it works. We seem to, yeah, I've survived this long, so I'll do it for another year anyway. Yeah. How many more years do you think you have in here with Coast or can you not really say... Yeah, I don't really know, Kush. I like, I, I, really, I really enjoy it. I, um, I come from the background of working with people in my education, and I get, you know, I love farming, and you do get, you do get a bit of that. Mm. But I, I, I get probably, I, the coast gives me that in terms of working with people, and there's things that I want to add to the coast and do. And until I tick those, I don't really feel like I've finished it. Just there's a couple of things that I want to get done with it. Just to, and then, and like I say, I'm. A, I'm I'm a firm believer that if I'm not passionate about it, then it's time for someone else to come in and put that energy into it. But there's a couple of things I still want to do um, with the event, that it would, especially with the position it's in. And we just picked up Route Classic, which is an awesome race, and I'm, you know, I want to just get that set up so it's in a good position too. And yeah, I've got a really good team on the case. And yes, I don't know. Yeah. I, you know it, it's, it's sort of it's working at the moment. And anyone who works in agriculture will know that it's not an easy space at the moment. Mm. So the coast is a great fit for me there too, in terms of um, you know just you know keeping our family going and whatnot. So yeah, so I don't know, but I, I still have things that I want to do, and I'm still passionate about it. So I'll um, I've got another couple anyway. Yeah, and are these passion points you have for coast? Are they secretive, or can you share? Oh no, no, no they're probably. Um, I'd love. I I think I think to grow the coast now, like we're full. Um, things that I'm proud of that I've done since I've been there is when I started, we had a concession of 700 over Goat Pass, and um, we now have a concession of 1,000. Yeah. So we have 300 more people in the last couple of years that can enter the event. Um, I think there's little things in terms of the, the structure of the event just to make it smoother and better experience for um, for the uh, support crews, just to make it flow a bit better, things that I want to do. Um, I want to increase, I want to continue to increase that international appeal for actually the elites to try to make that a stronger field and yeah. offer opportunities there. And then the major thing that I really want to do is create what we need to do. Is, it's still a really difficult event to follow when you're not there. Yeah. And I, I want to create a tracking system where mum and dad can sit at home or sit over in the UK and have a really good feel, for, you know, really be able to follow their computer and stuff. And so the tracking thing is one thing. And it's, I mean, everyone has these 
but the, the, the event is such a challenging event to do in terms of getting out what's happening because we're just so isolated. And, um, you know, I have these international firms come to me offering me these things. I tell them that, you know, 80% of the course doesn't have cell phone coverage and they, mm. they just can't get their heads around it. Like, they yeah. just said, no, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't exist, you know. I said, no, that does, you know. Like, you haven't been so, to New Zealand. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But I've got, I've got these, we've got these systems that we're trying to work on. They're super expensive and I'd love to get a really cool tracking system. I've got this vision of having this tracking system where you can track whoever you want at the race, see exactly where they are, but also click on the side of the screen and actually have sort of POV coverage of what the course looks like and the point they're in. So actually video the whole course and so people can get a real feel for what's going on. And, um, you know, I, I think that in terms of growing the events, probably the future is just really enhancing that, you know, so that everyone's tracked and everyone knows what's going on from a safety perspective and also from just that, that outside experience, experience of people watching it. I mean, Godzone have done a relatively good job um, with their tracking system, but there's just not quite the technology in these smaller events that allows it yet. Yeah, no, yeah. I love that. That sounds great. Yeah. Cool. That's my yeah, my drive at the moment. Good stuff, yeah. Um, it's been thoroughly enjoyable to talk to you. I feel like I've learned a lot more about you. Uh, to finish, I thought it'd be quite fun. I just have five quick-fire questions. Um, so, to start with, your favourite mountain to ski or board on anywhere in the world? Um, Mount Hart or Mount Hart um, in New Zealand is my favourite mountain, and it's probably it's probably skiing. So it's just where I've had a lot of experiences of my life, and um, you know, probably look at Mount Hart the the commercial side of it. But Mount Hart for me is the mountains out the back and Pudding Hill Stream. I like my hunting, and there's lots of that. And then I've skied there, I've rock climbed there, I've kayaked down Pudding Hill Stream when it's been in flood. And it's just it's just basically home for me, and it's kind of my kids feel that now too, and it is it is sort of my 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 more I suppose my mountain. So um, yeah, yeah. It, it is it's um that's I mean it's not necessarily the best skiing in the world. It's just where I've had you know developed a lot. Of, you know, I used to mount a bike up there in the middle of the night to get to China. It's just been my base for my life, and yeah, it's it's still my favourite place mountain in the world really. I I remember way back at school actually it might have been when you were training for coast or something you said that morning you'd already run up the ski road and that stayed yeah. in my mind and I thought oh my god this guy's nuts but now actually and, and now that's me <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right and it's yeah it's just it's just such a great resource and the mountain biking the mountain biking there is exceptional it's just um it's got everything it's just yeah. amazing we place and I love yeah, that bike park. we like it quiet here so we don't want too many people going up yeah better not yeah um what's your go to coffee order. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty just standard Kiwi. I'm a flat white guy, yeah, but yep. yeah, it's got to be yeah, just a flat white, yeah. yeah. An activity that's top of your bucket list? Oh, to do? Um, um, I, I definitely, yeah, I mean, I definitely want to take, I, the thing I want to do is take my kids to Colorado skiing before they leave home while they're young enough to find it a, um, a real experience, so that's oh. probably... It's one thing I really want to tick off and have an experience I want to do because it's, it's it's quite, my wife spent 10 years there and I spent a number of years there and it was sort of weird. Yeah, just give them that experience. That's probably the major thing I want to tick off at the moment to give my kids that experience. Nice, yeah. Yeah. Favourite aspect about farming? Um, I think I think it's probably just being the being outside factor. And I say to people, farming's, the tough thing about farming is it's 365 days a year. Mm. But... A farm, a farm for me is like I remember buying my first house in my backyard and taking care of my backyard and being so passionate about it. And and um, you know I think anyone who's probably got home ownership, you know, like you know, working in your backyard all of a sudden it's because it's yours. You become quite proud of it. Or farm farming is almost like managing, you know, your job is managing your backyard. 
and looking after it. And um, that's probably the favourite thing for me is like your job's actually managing your backyard and it's a massive backyard and it takes a lot of work and then and you're feeding people as a result of it. But um, that's that's probably the favourite thing for me is like, yeah, I, I, outside of coast, I get to say my job's um, managing my backyard, you know, and, and keeping it and being proud of that. Yeah. I love that perspective actually. I've never thought about that with farming, but yeah. Yeah, right. sort of what it is. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a big old backyard really. Yeah. And lastly, this could be a little bit of a tricky one because there's probably lots, but what would be your little top snippet of advice for someone who's about to do their first ever coast to coast? Um, just, I mean, just in, like the coast to coast is obviously two days of event, but it's the 12 months before. And I always tell people that my favorite coast to coast that I ever did was my first one. And it was the people that I met and the adventures I had, you know, I, I, I could sit there and talk to you three hours about the stories on that first year that we did it in terms of the experiences and stuff. And that is, that is the beauty of the coast to coast. You've got to, You've got to go, you know, the cool thing as an adult is often for a lot of us, we go learn a new skill, which we don't, we very rarely do, and that's kayaking. And um, that's, um, you know, like learning a new skill is such a challenge when you get older. Like I see my kids doing it every day, but for us it gets less and less. So you go and learn a new skill and then the people you meet and then the adventures, just having those adventures. Yeah. Um, keep keep grounded in terms of what you're trying to achieve. You're just trying to, it's an adventure you're trying to, it's, it's an adventure that you're trying to take. You know, like a lot of people can get themselves quite wound up and, you know, and it's like just, I mean, you're off on an adventure and you're trying to do it as quick as you can. It's, it's as simple as that. So, yeah, stay grounded. And, yeah, I, I suppose just really try to enjoy that 12 months out and that, you know, like, and be kind to the ones that are supporting you around it because it does create stress on a lot of other people because it, it is timely. So, um, yeah, just, just uh, yeah, enjoy the people you meet, enjoy the adventures because that's what the event's about, really. Totally agree. Yeah, the journey up to it is, is amazing. And, of course, the race is the cherry on top. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Cool. I've, I've loved chatting with you, Glenn. Is there anything else? No, no, just thanks very much, Kush. And I mean, I'm probably, um, you know, you say you live just down the road, and although that I like working with people, I'm probably introverted in my own way too. So outside of that, I, I try to keep my head down a little bit and carry on. And so it's good probably to be able to share that. And um, Yeah, but probably, you know, like when you deal with as many people do with the coast too, you've also got to look after yourself in terms of your time outside of it. And um yeah, that's probably why a little bit why I'm you know, I sort of hide in the background. That's where I want to be. I, I love working with the people involved with the event. I love seeing the people have the experience of the event. But outside of that, I quite, probably quite like giving my head down and, um, yeah, yeah. And, and just cranking it away in my own way. So, and, and then, yeah, obviously my life's very much based around my kids and my family. So outside of that, it's chasing them and trying to give them the experiences that we're so fortunate to have in, in this country. And, yeah, so I yeah. no, appreciate talking to you. And, yeah. Got you on yeah. here eventually, yeah, and I'm sure a lot of Maori yeah, sporters will yeah, love good. hearing from you. Yeah, yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cheers, Glenn. All right, cheers, guys.